and welcome back to our recap podcast from the All Blacks first Bledisloe Cup encounter against the Australians this past weekend at Eden Park, which they won 33-25. A pretty ugly game, especially that first half. And I was pretty disappointed in the way the All Blacks closed out that game, considering they were 33-8 up, although I didn't actually think they deserved to be up by that many points. But as always, I'll throw my mic to my guest, Scooter. What were your primary takeaways from what we saw last night yeah pretty similar to be fair um i think i was sitting there with you know less than 10 or around about 10 minutes to go thinking geez our our, um score predictions were pretty close um for this one until aussie sort of came firing back into it and it was a little bit disappointing because new zealand you know the all blacks we've been renowned in the last few, few years to be um in control of games but Whenever it's been close, that end of the game is when we really pick it up and sort of seem to pull away from these teams. But um, it was a bit of a, you know, something different seeing uh, the Aussies come back. And, you know, I wonder whether that was due to a bit of experience playing harder teams, like with playing the French and all that not that long ago. And, and us, you know, due to having some easier games and not really, really being tested right through for the 80 minutes. But, um yeah, I agree. It was it was messy, and um, although we showed a bit of composure to score a couple of tries, I thought there were other times where we just threw the ball away instead of actually just building phases and building pressure. So, you know, it's good to get a win, but still a, a lot of improvement there to be made. I think you hit the nail on the head right there at the end. Like you, you have to be happy with a win, but like we just mentioned, the the way that the All Blacks closed that game out, you know, they could have really sent a message that last quarter of the game, you know, especially with them being at Eden Park and it being Aaron Smith's 100th, but they just took their foot off the gas. And again, I'm not sure whether that was because they knew that there probably wasn't enough time left for the Australians to score four converted tries. But yeah, just touching on that first half, they had four handling errors, six turnovers and seven penalties conceded. Um, and what was probably one of the uglier All Black first halves that I've seen, you know, like, well, I can't really put it past what happened against Argentina over in Oz last year, but yeah, nothing seemed to click, but thankfully Moanga was on song with his boot. And unfortunately, the Australian ten Noah Lolasio um, had a bit of a mare with his. And now I know that that's probably going to be one of the biggest talking points, the fact that Dave Rennie let him kick on for as long as he did, well, up until the end of the game. But I don't want that to distract people of how poor the Australian lineout was at times and some of the other individual errors from some of their players, which, you know, for me, there's two that stand out in my mind. The first one being right before halftime. So after they get away with another shaky lineout, um, which ends up running away for that, that left wingers try Callaways, or they're down by uh, one point. They've got two minutes to go before the half and all they have to do is just clear their lines and hold out. Um, but unfortunately, Michael Hooper gives away a penalty for another one of those um, non-retreating offside penalties. The All Blacks opt not to take the points. The kick to the corner, re-scores. Bang, momentum back in the All Blacks' favour. And then right after half-time, after Lolasio misses another penalty, they get the ball back, they string 10 fuss plays together and throw an intercept, which was speculative at best, and Moonga race off for another seven points. And, and that was really um, the end of the game. I know that the All Blacks 
you know, they had their tails up after that and they put together those two tries, like you mentioned, for Havili and McKenzie. But I think, I think if you're being truly honest as an All Blacks fan, the Wallabies really gifted a lot of those points. And if you look at a lot of the play we had with ball in hand, there wasn't a lot to take away from. I thought it was quite lateral. Like, did, did you have that same perception? Yeah, yeah. I thought Aussie were, um, where you said, like, it started off messy, those lineouts. I, I still can't understand the um, not straight rule. Even if you're throwing to the back, I thought it still had to be down the middle, not uh, three or four metres into the uh, opposition's <laughs> lineout. So, yeah, they, the, they got away with that. But, um, yeah, I thought it was messy. I thought we were rushed and we didn't look very well organised when we were on attack. Um, you know, Mwanga, a couple of times I thought he held it when he should have just given the pass and let the other guys carry and then he can realign and set up off there and because he was taking the ball into contact where there was one time in front of the line where he lost it and there was another time where he took it in and it just um, it, it didn't look like there was anyone there to then organise after that you know by taking your playmaker away so you know I, I thought it was messy you know in that particular in that first half and and we did get better in the second as well, but Aussie, Aussie definitely gifted us a lot of points there. And I think, you know, Hooper, man, he just, he does some good things and then he does some silly things and um, he can be his own worst enemy sometimes. I, I don't understand his logic sometimes when he goes for the ball when there's already four people in the ruck. But um, yeah, I thought, I thought they were starting to give us penalties and make it easier and then, we certainly made it even worse. Well, we were terrible with those offside line penalties, and we don't we don't need to do stuff like that. You know, we, we're good enough to just bloody back ourselves and and not over push it. But hey, maybe maybe it's just um, a, a lack of games at that high intensity, and you know, it was always going to be a messy first true true test for the All Blacks. So it, it's going to be interesting with their mindset going into the next game as well. The, the interesting thing for me, like when you, when you talk about defending, like when I look at that Wallaby team, there's no one really that stands out and goes like, okay, yep, he's the guy we need to uh, hone in on because he's the game breaker. So like you said, I feel like the All Blacks can afford to not creep so much or look to put in that big hip um, behind the advantage line by just backing their D. Because I, I, I don't think that the Australians have the players to bust us wide open or the size like what we might see from a spring box or the flair that you might see from one of the Northern Hemisphere teams. But then on the point of the Aussies, though, like I thought that they defended well. Um, and, I, and again, I'm not sure whether or not that was more so a reflection of the All Blacks attack. And I know that you touched on on, two, on Tuesday, we talked about the fact that the All Blacks don't have a, a, a ball carrier in their back line. And maybe that's the reason why Moanga was maybe a little bit lost. He wasn't trying to, I guess, put too much of a burden on Havili's shoulders. Mm, potentially. I mean, I, I thought... Um, Havili and Antonina Brown had had good games. Um, just on the on the defence, Antonina Brown was awesome. He would when he was coming up out wide and just shutting down a lot of that Aussie attack. And I, I definitely agree that the, their back line's not as um, concerning as as you would expect from an Aussie back line. You know, our guys could easily cover that. So yeah, we don't need to give away these pe- offside penalties. But yeah, we 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 didn't really said all that well I mean Avili had a good game on the loose and he did he did a lot of good work in that but I, I still think you know we, we're just relying on a couple of forwards to really be our main ball carriers and so not having that relieving option by having a back that can 
you know, chuck it up all day long. Because to be fair, those those midfielders are better with open ball with space um, to show their skills. Um, we don't want to be wasting them, just smashing it up either. So it's going to take time, though, for those guys to get used to being with each other. Um, you know, it, it is a, a new combination, really, between the three of them. If we we think about it, you know, they haven't had a, a huge, huge amount of time together against and against quality teams. It's there's such a difference between playing together against an easy team where you're making breaks easy and and getting points and not having to work too hard compared to working together against a, a quality team and putting a um, you know a, a top class performance together and the more of those these top level games the, the better they will get and the better they'll get to kn- to knowing each other and, and and using each other correctly around the field I guess yeah I guess there's probably that probably was their thinking around looking to play a bit more laterally than direct the fact that they didn't have a big player to dish the ball to in the backs and you know maybe or well, well I thought going into that game with having Riku Iwani on the left wing they'd look to incorporate him a little bit more and he had a couple of nice touches but say Will Jordan's fit and you know he's arguably been the best outside back the past what 12 24 months and you put him back in there and if you look at the rest of that back line like Severus isn't big Damian McKenzie isn't big so like you said they're going to have to figure out a way to expose opposition defenses if they're not going to go through them um by getting around them but yeah like you said this, the passes weren't sticking and yeah, hopefully they don't become too reliant on, you know, like someone like Brody Vitalik, who I thought got stuck into things. He, he was probably a bit, little bit too over ego on defense. He gave away, I think, three or four penalties. But yeah, still some good stuff there. And then the other thing I wanted to mention with you, um, just because I don't really get it. I mean, well, I don't understand it being a back, but you would being a forward. The All Blacks got up and competed for a lot of the, the Wallabies lineouts, especially in that first half. Um, it's not something that you commonly see from the All Blacks. So can you give us a better understanding as to maybe, maybe why they were doing that? And then in that second half, they weren't doing it so much, especially in the 22. Can you give us, I don't know, a, a better look into the game there? Yeah, I mean, obviously, like we've got some really good locks in there, really good at reading it, and they started off so well. And then that kind of forced Aussie to really to mix it up. And to be fair, Aussie probably used their all their line-out tricks that they'd saved for the whole year and they've had, had to use them in that in that one game, you know, you know, short to the front, over to the back um, and everything. So it's, you know, it's teams always start a little bit more basic and it's, you know, sometimes easier to defend. But Aussie did really start changing around and it does get a lot harder and a bit of fatigue as well sets in. So you kind of... It's always a little bit um, harder to get guys up and, and be competitive. So there was a definite notice in our, our drop-off and the pressure that we put on um, from there. So, I mean, I'm sure they'll they'll relook at it and and try and figure it out um, so they're a bit better. But one, the, one thing I was going to say as well is um, when their second half started and one of the first things Aussie did was um, the box kick um, off the line out I think it was off the line. It was off the, and um, on on to Reese, and they had good pressure coming through, and they end up you know getting the turnover. And I thought, oh, here we go. This is you know this is what they're going to do in this half. But then they didn't do it again, and they just I, I couldn't understand why something that had worked, why you, why you just wouldn't keep trying to um, employ that tactic because you you got good reward out of it and you got into the New Zealand half. But um, obviously they didn't listen to our podcast and and. <laughs> didn't pay enough attention did they 
Well, that was, I actually talked about this all the way back in 2019 before I even started this podcast when Sever Reese was coming onto the scene. And, you know, obviously that he was a bolter for the All Blacks and eventually was a World Cup winger. And I, I couldn't for the life of me, like even in Super Rugby, now I understand like how well oiled a machine the Crusaders are, why teams weren't targeting him, like, like you said, what the Wallabies did the one time on Saturday with the box kick, especially when you have bigger, bigger wingers. And when, when you look at the way that the game's going over in the Northern Hemisphere and what the South Africans do, um, that tends to be a strength of theirs. So again, like if we're going to go with a smaller back three of McKenzie, Jordan and Sever Reese, is, is there danger there for us to be exposed there? I'm not too sure. But yeah, another question that Ian Foster is going to have to answer. But yeah, all in all, I mean, yeah, like you said, like we, you can't be disappointed with a win. Um, and the All Blacks will no doubt make changes, or they're, they're probably already onto it going into next week's test. But just for you, before I let you go, is there anything that you'd like to see different from the All Blacks, or is there a different combination that you'd like to be thrown in, see thrown in there? Considering you know we've we've got the the wood over them for now going into next week. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, I did. I thought the Fords, you know, it was the, the Lucy's was hard to fault. Um, what they did, I thought Potley had a good game. You know, Artie's always good um, as well. You know, it, it was a good. Akira was, you know, he didn't really stand out, but it wasn't one of those games where you could stand out too much. Yeah. Would have liked to have been be a bit more physical in defence and try to really knock some of those Aussie um, big boys over, particularly. Um, yeah, it's the some some of them did sort of um, start making a little bit of ground on their carries, but um, I, I I don't think in terms of personnel change I'd do a lot. You know, you just want to see them be a lot more accurate, a lot more um, controlled, and just just control the game and and play eighty minutes really. And I'd say that would be the main focus um, for this team as well. You know, they'll be demanding an eighty minute performance because. I mean, we're pretty hard on them as as Kiwis, and we we expect them to perform, um, you know, to their absolute best all the time, and 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 they have that same expectation on themselves. So, yeah, they'll they'll certainly be looking for a better performance um, next game. Yeah, uh, one of the other stats that stood out to me: they missed nineteen tackles, and that's never a good number for any team. So, I think they'll clear that up there. And then, like you said, just the handling. Um, and some of their skill execution. Um, but two things that I want to end on for me personally, uh, one being that Aaron Smith, for me, is now the most important all black. The, the, the role he played in those two tries to Havili and McKenzie, um, I don't think any of our other nines would be able to do. And then two, just quietly, and I know this might be something awkward for you to talk about considering you know the guy, how enthusiastic did Bowden Barrett look to get on the field for that last 15 minutes? And if that's no. going to be the story for the rest of his All Black career, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah it's a I'm, again, it's a massive, you know, like he's obviously he's gone away and he's been a World Player of the Year, and that was always my thing. It's like, well, if he's not going to fit into that starting fifteen, how's his ego going to be able to handle coming off the bench? And if games are tight, is he even going to come on for Moonga? Mm. I um, I, I I mean, I I sat there watching. Thinking, oh shit! I wonder how soon they're going to put um, put him on. Yeah, you know, I, I, did, I didn't think Moing was having a great game. Yeah, you know, he, did, he did, did some really good stuff and all that, but it wasn't certainly was his best game. But then, um, but then, yeah, I was a little bit disappointed when Barrett came on because the, the first thing he did was bloody miss it, a fairly basic one-on-one tackle that you would have expected him to make. You know, every other day, um, and then that was it. The bloody kick. 
they got charged, and yeah, I just, I, it, it just looked a bit like um, you didn't want to be bit, there. Yeah, to be fair, I mean it was a crappy, windy, cold Auckland day. I mean, who'd want to be in Auckland anyway? That's what happens when you move up there. You just get depressed, I think. But um, no, I, I, I would have expected better from him, and I would have thought he would have come out wanting to, to really get the ball in hand, take control and push to get back in that starting team, you know? Um, mm. It just felt like we just went through the motions. Um, and, you know, again, he's going to, he's probably going to look back at that and think the same and think, you know, geez, I need to, I need to pull, pull my finger out here and actually um, perform. Otherwise, you know, I'd be lucky to be right in the pine. Yeah. I only say that because I'm one of the biggest Bowden Barrett stands, but yeah, that was my other thing as well. I was like, well, when are they going to put them on? You know, once we scored that, that last try and then they bring them on and then, yeah, just the couple of touches that he had, it just, it just didn't ooze the confidence that you, that you typically see um, from someone with his skill set and, and, and all of his experience. So, yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, it's, it's, I'm not a huge fan of these guys going to Japan and coming back and going straight in there um, to the All Blacks. I mean, I know we're paying them and we, we give them these sabbaticals as some sort of like a year off to earn some extra money. But to be fair, they're, they're not doing that, that badly in New Zealand. You know, they're, they're still getting decent money and far better than you know, 98% of the country. So they, they can't really complain that much. You know, I just, I, I don't like that they can come straight back and I'd, I'd, you know, if I was there, if it was me, I'd, I'd bloody force them to have a season of NPC and, you know, if that's what they're going to do or to come back in before they sort of, you know, automatically seem to earn the right to go back in there. And it, it would be good for them because they're actually getting some Kiwi game time and a bit of confidence and a bit of um, time with the ball rather than the only time they're getting off a ball now is, is high-pressure te- test um, games. And like I said, 15 minutes off the bench. You know, compared to a few um, few weeks at 80 minutes would have probably been a lot better. Yeah, and, and if we're going to go with the theme of continuity and, you know, building towards that next World Cup, you know, like, is it really worth throwing Bowden Barrett in there at 10 even for some of our dead rubber games when we want to be building those combinations with Mwanga and Smith and the rest of the back line? Yeah, I don't know. Um, and, and, you know, the, the issue that you raised with having these guys return from Japan, um, I mean, I'm I'm on the same side of the page as you but again that's probably another argument for another conversation or another podcast sorry um but we'll wrap that up there mate thank you very much for your time um i'll well depending on who says no to me over the next couple of weeks i might be hitting your phone um again <laughs> midweek but uh, yeah it's always a pleasure to chop footy up with you mate and uh for the rest of your season with your 85s competition in the nationals go well cheers mate and i um i love the uh the rick and morty um, used for the <laughs> for the promo for uh, for the podcast, mate. It's awesome. My favorite favorite content. <laughs> you and me both, my friend. All right. Thanks again. Catch you later. See you, mate.